to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for His glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We're glad you're here. Hey, good morning, and welcome to another episode of EST, the podcast for established church leaders by actual established church leaders. My name is Josh, and Sam is right there. Sam, how are you? Man, I I am worried about Micah. I'll be. Micah's real. got a lot. He and, and I'm I'm not joking. Like his whole area, Chattanooga, and I know this is airing, you know, a few weeks down the road, but um, he, you know, his area got hit by tornadoes, and he's he's fine. Uh, but there are several church members that were affected by this, and he's he's got his chainsaw out there, and you know he's doing cleanup. So I, yeah. I feel for the guy. He he's got his priorities right. As much as I'd love mm-hmm. to have him on the podcast, yeah. And um, of course, we're praying for him. We're praying for Brainerd and uh, the folks affected by that. Also, just the Chattanooga region. The um, I will say this though, and I was talking to him about it. He has a huge um, kind of team of volunteers from Brainerd. Of course, Brainerd's a larger church, but. This is one of those seasons where I'm particularly proud. Um, Any of these situations is when I'm particularly proud, even when it happened to us. So there was a big tornado um, not too long ago, um, the day after Christmas, uh, December 26th, right in through our town that I was living in in Dallas and uh, similar destruction to what Mike was talking about. And um, I'm just always really proud of our tribe's disaster relief. It's one of our, shining examples of why we're part of what we're a part of. And so I like that. And he told me some, you know, the teams have already gotten there, the Tennessee teams. I know Arkansas is headed over there, other things like that. So it's cool. Very yeah. Cool. And our particular tribe disaster relief is a shining star. There it's is a big no thing we like. So, but yeah, Michael be fine. Um, the church will be okay. They're just going through a real tough time. Um, yes. And you know, we, we've talked about hurricane Irma and when my church got hit and mm-hmm. it's just, it, it it's it just when you're in the thick of it, it, it's so challenging. And then you add to that this period of isolation where we're working through a, you know, pandemic and yeah. it's just a lot. So, yeah. yeah, you guys can pray for Micah. And I mean that in all seriousness and with a genuine heart. No no snarkiness there at all. Um, we sometimes poke fun at each other, but not. Especially not when Micah's not on, we poke fun at him. Yeah. Yes. But we'll yes. save that for next time. Yeah, we'll we'll just say pray for Micah, pray for Brainerd. They'll be all right, but man, they're going through it right now. That's right. Sam, tell us about Church Initiative. Yes, uh, we have a sponsor uh, that we absolutely love. Um, they are the creators of Divorce Care and Grief Share. And despite the fact that we're in the midst of this COVID nineteen crisis, the init- the the, the uh, mission of Church Initiative has not changed. They want to equip the members of your church to offer Christ-centered support groups for grieving and divorced people, and they are committed to providing you with everything you need to to continue doing that in the season of social distancing and restrictions on gatherings. So, for those of you who have already, for those of you churches and leaders that are already offering Divorce Care and Grief Share, uh, we want you to know they've made it possible for you to do online groups at no additional cost. So, you can continue your vital Divorce Care Grief Share ministry safely while practicing social distancing. Um, Online workbooks, online videos, online discussions, free coaching for you and your group leaders. Church Initiative provides everything 
something your church needs. Um, and if you want to start a new group, a new grief share or divorce care group, um, your church will be able to offer the online groups as well. So you can learn more about all of their ministries at churchinitiative.org. Again, churchinitiative.org slash EST. Don't forget the slash EST because we That's get right. credit for that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can go to churchinitiative.org and buy their stuff, but better if you go to churchinitiative.org slash EST because then you get what you need and, and we get um, – we don't we don't get a kickback or anything because um, nah, they just, just sponsor. A, but We just get a gold star. But like a, it's sticker. We think very highly of Church Initiative, mm-hmm. and we would like some gold stars on our board. We would also so. like Church Initiative to think very highly of us. So let exactly, them, let them yes. know who we is. So churchinitiative.org slash esd. Go check it out. So the other day we got a we got a tweet message. Um, it was a they tagged us and they said that we are highly relatable. You, me, and Micah. How does that set with you? <laughs> um, I think it's kind of funny. Yeah, I, I thank you. I, yeah, you know, I, I like to be relatable. I like friends. I, I want more friends. I, I do too. Mm. Um, so yes, that's very nice. It's very kind of someone to say that. Yes, thank you for saying that. We we believe you are relatable too, Twitter person. Thank you, <laughs> Twitter Twitterite. So let's talk about something that's facing a lot of people right now. And you know what? In the melee of COVID nineteen and these sort of things. And, and hopefully, even by the time that we're airing this episode, some of these social restrictions will be lifted in some ways. That seems to be the way in various amounts, probably not greatly, but to some degree. It doesn't matter if we're going through COVID-19 or the next whatever. Um, there is a lot of confusion on what's happening. And one of the things that gets left out or forgotten is those pesky little papers that we call the bylaws. Man, you've got some great words. Melee, pesky mm. little papers. It's because I have a headache, so I'm, 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 I'm waxing poetic because I have uh, a headache. Isn't that well, weird? you're you're getting through it well because I will admit I'm, I'm, writing, I'm writing notes. I'm going to steal some <laughs> of this stuff. I'm, I'm actually writing a book. I'm, I'm yeah. working through my next book. So, you know, I'm all about, you yeah. know, plagiarizing uh, someone asked me the other day is like have you ever thought about writing a book and i said no why not (laughs) because everything i would say somebody else said better like sam rayner go read sam rayner stuff that's what i say well yeah thank you for that i don't think you know they write write good stuff you write you do write you you write for facts and trends right i do i do shout out to joy allman and uh the folks over at facts and trends uh somebody read one of my facts and trends articles and they're like man you are actually a very good writer and i said nope joy almond is a very good editor i just i vomit (laughs) words on a paper and then she makes them pretty she does she's great at that so listen a good editor i know this doesn't have anything to do with the podcast but or bylaws (laughs) or bylaws um a good editor oh yes when when they do their job well the book is Mm. 10 times 10 times better i'm a those authors that those you authors that push back on your editor shame on you because yeah. they know what they're doing. They're wonderful. So, let's talk about bylaws and editing bylaws. How about that transition? We you know, to- we are the kings of poor segues. Segway. Your bylaws may be preventing you from doing some of the things you're doing. Um, so, you know, I've heard of situations in which the bylaws, speaking of a previous episode that we just recorded not too long ago, you know, some bylaws will specify that you need to take the Lord's Supper in person need to be gathered, needs to be at this time, you know, those sort of things. So, uh, some of your churches may be 
participating in the Lord's Supper online and you're going against your bylaws. Another thing that has affected a lot of people is the PPP, right? What does that yep. stand for? Uh, paycheck or payroll. I think it's Paycheck Protection Program. Paycheck Protection. I don't have my um, pop guard on my on my mic and I can hear it. Like PPP. You hear this pops? <laughs> so, I'll, I'll, I'll angle away a little bit. But the, anyways, yeah, the PPP uh, is a is technically, now I know it's forgivable if you use it within certain stipulations, but it's technically a debt, right? Yeah, it's, it's a loan. And most churches have in their bylaws that before, uh, particularly churches with a congregational governance structure. Right. They have in their bylaws that you have to vote before going into any form of debt. So, that could create a little bit of an issue and how are you going to get around that? Have you heard of any churches actually taking a vote? I have. Um, and, and then and the, they tried to do it digitally, which broke their bylaws. Um, so, in trying to fulfill their bylaws, which is noble of them, they mm. broke them again. So, how would they? Because we don't allow for voting by proxy. We don't allow for absentee voting. Mm. So, if and your bylaws prohibit that, you're in, you're in an even bigger situation. Well, and a I, lot of bylaws do. And, and frankly, I think that's a, a good thing. I don't, I don't think you want to go down the road of church votes via uh, email, church votes via SurveyMonkey. I think those are – I think you're – I would caution against setting that precedent through all so of So, I heard this. of a little church in Arkansas, a smaller church, and they wanted – they took a vote for this this uh, loan, the PPP, and they um, had a lawyer draft or help them build an online form, and uh, somehow they did it. They they felt like that was going to meet their bylaw stipulations, and it did. It didn't. It didn't prohibit specifically voting by proxy and those sort of things. So they were able to do it, and I think some churches could do it. I do think. It would need to be a smaller congregation. I don't think if you're if you're running like a thousand, two thousand, three thousand. I I think that would be massive. Well, it gets difficult. into some it gets into some very sticky situations because we do have some older members who don't have computers, they don't have mm -hmm. access, and because we're all self isolating, you can't send people over there to to get their vote or to bring them a computer. So, you know, we even had a discussion like, you know, do we try to do our business meeting online? Do we try to, um, cause we have a, we have quarterly business meetings we have to fulfill. Mm -hmm. Um, do we, wh what do we do? Well, we would, we would by design leave people out and it's a smaller group and it's an older group, but by design we would leave people out if we went down the digital road. So, um, and, and there are some families that, you know, struggle um, economically and they, it's not like they have computers around their house. Mm -hmm. So, you, you, you kind of leave out the older crowd and you leave out those who um, are of lower incomes. <clears throat> and so, we just decided, you know what, we're just going to postpone our business meeting. And then I worked through our council on the paycheck protection program. I will say um, in in Texas, I haven't done that here yet, but we were doing what we call our church conferences. We had three church conferences a year and we did those uh, in person, of course. We did our in-person thing, but we also would do them Facebook Live as well. Um, we had a closed group for members only and those members were all verified as members before they could join that group. And we would go Facebook Live in there 
and you'd get quite a few more participants. They weren't allowed to vote, but we did take any kind of questions they had on any decisions that we needed to make. Um, and I would just kind of read them because my phone was just kind of sitting there. And, um, Oh no, I had my phone up on a tripod in front of me. It wasn't, it's real, you know, it's not distracting as it might sound. And then I had my laptop open on the table in front of me. And so I would take questions. I would say, Oh, okay, here, you know, so-and-so asked this and I would just say it aloud, you know, and then I would answer it. And then we would do a vote and only the people in the, the church really liked that. Um, that I guess that's something we can do later, um, here, but yeah, we wouldn't take them online. We would broadcast it online though. Let me ask you this, though, because I think this is a question a lot of people are curious about. What happens if you break the bylaws? Are these like the laws that are written before time, you know? Yes. And, that, you know, that's a really good question. And that's part of the purpose of this podcast. Um, one, the, the governance of most churches does not account for a crisis. Some will have some language in there. Um, I know in Florida, per, for instance, the homeowners associations, there's a lot of, lot of language in there about what do you do if a hurricane hits or some other crisis and the operations of the HOA after the fact. And there's some things churches can learn. Um, but re- reality is most churches right now are operating outside of their bylaws. I mean, mm-hmm. it, you know, it's right. just the, we did not design the governance of the church to account for the fact that we would not be able to gather for an extended period of time. So what happens legally? I don't think that you were going to get into hot water per se for operating outside of your bylaws during this, what could either be called a black swan or a force majeure event. Mm. So black swan is something nobody saw coming. Uh, that's a black swan event. And I won't get into all the economic parameters of what the black swan is, but just something nobody saw coming. And then a force majeure event is a business term often used to describe an act of God. And that would nullify the, the contract. Um, so, so we're in those of kinds of events, whatever language you want to use there. Um, so I don't think you're going to get in trouble legally for operating outside of your bylaws simply because it's such a crisis that everyone is experiencing. You have to do something and you can't gather. I mean, the government has asked to keep gatherings minimized, if not outright said don't. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think the law of the land per se supersedes your bylaws in this case. And then you just got to do what you got to do. That being said, you still need to be thinking about adding that language back into your bylaws or you don't add it back in because it was never there. You need to add that language to your bylaws. Um, you need to be thinking now about how to handle this in the future. Are we going to have another pandemic? Probably not, but you could have a tornado as Micah has just experienced. You could have a hurricane. You could have an earthquake. You could have a fire that prevents um, the church from gathering. And so you need some language in there that mm-hmm. stipulates what you do during those times of crisis. Yeah, I think that, you know, I like to say, no matter what the decision is I'm making, I like to see what is the worst possible situation, what's the worst possible outcome, can I live with that, and then we'll go forward. So, a couple of the thoughts that I've had before, and it doesn't matter if it's during this sort of sort of situation or not, uh, is that the action can be nullified. I think there is legal ramifications for that. So, if, Technically, yes. So, yeah. If you operate outside of your bylaws and somebody wants to challenge that legally, 
there is grounds for some judge to rule that the action taken outside of the bylaws is 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 null and void like you right. would, you know but that would require somebody to sue that would require it to get before a judge and exactly. for the judge to rule in that direction given a pandemic right so you're going to have to think of that the other thought that but i don't think that's happen. happening i just don't see the courts i, I just don't Unless, I mean, unless it's an extreme, extreme example. Right. I just don't, the courts are not going to be flooded with, you know, lawsuits against churches because they made decisions outside of their bylaws during a pandemic. It's just not going to happen. You, no. you just got to do what you got to do right now and then correct it after the fact. But we could use one, go one step down. One less uh, crazy idea down is that let's say you are serving in a situation in which you know, we hate to say it this way, but this happens and we all know it. You're barely keeping the thing together. Like, um, even before this, there was a lot of distrust. There was fighting. There's large groups that are trying to get you out. Those sort of things. Those happen. And we know of those situations. This is a way in some churches going outside of the bylaws is a way for them to trump up charges or to actually, in some cases, that that's a fireable offense. It can happen. And so I think you need yeah, to just would, kind of weigh those things out. It would not surprise me if some pastor doing everything that pastor can do mm -hmm. during a pandemic ends up getting fired because, you know, of something uh, that, you know, we know churches can act out in ways that are troubling. Yeah. Um, yeah, that can happen. And you need to kind of weigh that out. But, and I think it's, yes, I think it's a thing to have in the back of your mind. But here's the thing. Either a power grab or paralysis is going to happen mm -hmm. um, when confusion exists. So, uh, you know, during this time, somebody's going to grab power that shouldn't have it, or your church is just going to be completely paralyzed. You have to lead through this and you're just going to have to make some calculated decisions that where, you know what, I know I'm operating outside the bylaws. I'm going to pull in my deacons or I'm going to pull in my council. Or I'm going to pull in my elders. I, I realize that technically we need to vote for indebtedness and mm -hmm. technically the PPP is indebtedness. What do we do? You know, don't, don't move into paralysis. Make a decision, own it, and, and just stand by it. And, you know, if your church fires you on the other side, well, listen, you know, when you're interviewing at another church, it's pretty easily explainable. It's like, yeah, we're in a pandemic. I had to make some decisions. This is what I did. And they fired me for it. Mm -hmm. I mean, but I just don't see that happening a lot. No, I'm sure I that it will happen to somebody, but I, don't I can't. I think it will happen I, a lot. I just, you know, we've been in situations before where you're talking to somebody and they're like, well, they fired me. Why'd they fire you for this? Well, how was life before the pandemic. Well, yeah, they were trying to fire me before that. I'm just saying, if you were in that situation before this happened and you don't need, you know, necessarily the PPP, then don't uh, risk those things or at least like Sam saying, calculate that into the equation. Make sure that you're doing things. So, what I've suggested and the same thing Sam is suggesting here is if you feel like, okay, we technically need a church vote. So, I'm going to get this committee together and normally our deacons don't necessarily weigh in on these. They're not a decision-making body. But for this case, I'm going to go ahead and poll the deacons. I'm going to get all of them involved. You know, I would do as many steps, extra steps as needed just so you can point back to something and say, I didn't do this, uh, you know, roguely. I didn't. I, I yes. tried the best don't I could. Don't act alone. No, that would don't be do that. 
that would be the additional advice I would give is you do need to pull in someone, some group to help you make this decision. Yeah. Um, if you act alone, you are kind of putting yourself out there right. too much. I would agree with you there. But I would also say that when a crisis hits, good leaders step up. Sure. And and sometimes you're just going to have to take the heat a little bit and, and lead through it. Listen, we're all – we're all experiencing this. Every church is experiencing it a little differently. Some financially, some with people. You know, if you're in New York City, you're you're not even worried about the finances. You're worried about all your congregants that have the virus. Like right? so, I mean, you're mm-hmm. you know, there's there's we're, it's it's a universal experience. But we're all kind of it's it's got different degrees for everyone, certainly. Um, but here's the thing: we you leaders need to step up right now, make some good decisions, get your organizations through it, get your churches through it. This is what a good pastor is going to do. You can't sit around and be paralyzed by the fact that well, my bylaws technically say this, and technically that you know what, that's not leadership. Mm-hmm. That's that's using your bylaws as a, as a scapegoat. Yeah, make the decisions you need to make and own them. And for the vast majority of pastors, your church is going to have your back. Yeah. I guess what I'm saying is if you're listening and you're needing to make decisions about things, as we all are, it's not – you need to be prudent. You need to be wise. And so, the answer of what does your bylaw say about these sort of decisions? If you say, I don't know and I don't care, I don't think that's a wise approach either. No, what, that's just being an idiot. Yeah. So, what we're saying is know what your bylaws say. Do your best to operate within those as you can or to find reasonable smart alternatives that are meeting those same characteristics. Of course, the church vote for a debt is protecting the church from somebody just roguely getting them into financial obligations that they can't meet. So, protect the church with whatever ways that you can, you know, get advice, you know, line up the ways that you get advice before you sign that paper. So, that's all I'm saying there. Now, the other question would be when we go back to person gatherings, when we go back to sort of a uh, non-pandemic state of life, what are some of the additions? What are some of the changes you think, Sam, that people should add to their bylaws? So, general language, not specific language. Okay. Um, These bylaws that are 100 pages long, and I have seen them in churches. Mm. I've seen churches that have more pages to the bylaws than they do people in their church. It's like each person could have their own page. Is that causation or correlation? <laughs> yes. I don't know. <laughs> that That is an atrocity. Um, so, and this may be a good opportunity to say, hey, guys, we need to update our bylaws. That right. language is not in here for a crisis. So, but I would say this. You cannot idiot-proof your bylaws. Um so, you know, well, what about this and what about this? You get into that kind of discussion and you're missing the point of bylaws. Bylaws, they are a legal document. So, real quick, constitution, covenant, bylaws. Your constitution is kind of who you are. Covenant is what we will do. Bylaws says how we will operate. And the hierarchy is in that order. The constitution is highest. The covenant is second. Bylaws are or third in, in order of rank. And so, your constitution is going to overrule, overrule your covenant. Your covenant is going to overrule your bylaws. That's just a legal definition. Some of you may have a different definition of covenant. I get that, but that's a legal definition. That being said, um, if you try to just add everything into your bylaws to account for everything, you're mm-hmm. going to miss something. If we were discussing this before the pandemic, would you have added pandemic language into your, your force of majeure language not. or your black swan language? You wouldn't no. have. So, it needs to be general. 
not specific. It needs to just have some general guidelines. I am talking three sentences. If you are writing a page, uh, single spaced on what you're going to do during a crisis, you've completely handcuffed yourself Mm -hmm. because now you're going to have to do all of those things. You're going to be wishing that during the next crisis, you hadn't written them or the next pastor after you is going to be like, what on earth? Why did they do this? Yeah. Yeah. So, very general, couple, three sentences. In the case of a crisis, uh, you know, the pastor will work with the deacons, the pastor will work with the elders on making decisions on behalf of the church, something Mm -hmm. like that, something very basic. So, I mean, that's one way to add things. I would also say you can strike some things out may be more helpful as well. And so, when you get into, so one of the churches I was served at, they were led by a council. Great. Okay. I don't necessarily um, hold that, but they did. They They were led by a council. Great. Then they specified exactly who must be on that council. And there was, uh, and I'm going to say some words here that maybe not all of our listeners are familiar with, but there was the RA director, the GA director, the Awana leader, and the Awana co-leader. Get this, the flower committee chair was also on that council. And so, there was about, I don't know, 12 positions in which were specified as being the council that led that church. By the time I took that church or I served there, um, we didn't even have those ministries. There, You couldn't even follow the bylaws. You couldn't actually make a council by the letter of the bylaws. So, what I'm suggesting is that in some cases, if you, if you want to use that example, what you could say is uh, the church, blah, 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 decisions will be made by the council, which will be, you know, con- constitutive active members over this age, you know, you can make it less, but also more broad to where it can, it can evolve. It's, it's flexible. Um, you could strike out language that says, um, you know, the, these decisions will be made by a church vote on the third Sunday of the month in person by ballot. You know, if you strike out all those details and say, it'll be made by a church vote, then, then there's more flexibility to it, but it still keeps the retainer there. You do need to put in some precautions though. I'm not saying strike out everything, but there should be uh, less precautions than there are more. That helps. Yeah, bylaws are a guide. Right. They're a guide. And by the way, they're a guide for how you currently practice. So, one of the things that people get wrapped around the axle with is, well, the bylaws say this, so we have to do it. It's like, no, 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 no. If that's not how you want to operate, you just change the bylaws. So, your bylaws just need to be a reflection of your current operations you don't you don't weaponize the bylaws you you don't you know say well you know this was written 100 years ago and we need to abide by this right no you need to con- every 2 or 3 years you need to be updating your bylaws yeah. you just you just need to go through them and just revise them to say oh wow we've kind of changed operating procedures a little bit let's change the bylaws to reflect that so that you know if we were to ever be taken to court, it's basically, are you operating the, the way you say you're supposed to operate? Mm-hmm. Yes, we are. And and a revision, revising the bylaws or even redoing the bylaws every two or three years is, is something that churches need to do because you're constantly changing the way you do things. Which, and you're bringing up a good point here, uh, changing the bylaws. You would be, I, I guess Sam wouldn't be, but maybe some of our listeners would be shocked at how often I've read bylaws that have no amendment clause. Like there's... What is the way you change these bylaws? There's no 
procedure. There's no uh, like, well, you need a vote or, you know, it goes through this or it goes through that. It's just willy nilly. And those are the most uh, uh, dangerous situations because what ends up happening is the, is the grasp for power group, whether that's the pastor at the time or a committee or some sort of, you know, older group then um, they're just changing it whenever they want to, to meet their standards. So, I always suggest that one of the first things you look at is how these things should be changed in the future and how you specified the constitution, the bylaws. Um, we had, I've never done a covenant. Maybe I have, I, I do a constitution bylaws faith statement. And so, the way that you change those things gets harder and harder. It is very hard to change a faith statement. It's very hard to change the constitution. It's much less difficult to change the bylaws. And like a lot of churches that will have a, like what we call personnel policies, those are really easy to change, right? So, it's, yes. it's very so easy to know which procedures. bucket you put them in. Exactly right. So, bylaws need to be, um, there needs to be some parameters on how to revise them, but they need to be able to be revised regularly. Mm -hmm. So, if you've put language in there that makes it impossible to change your bylaws, I mean, you've completely trapped yourself. Right. Policies are things that are written that do not rise to the level of kind of legal documents. Uh, so, you may have a personnel policy. You may have a child protection policy. Mm -hmm. um, th these are things that can be changed by one person if they oversee it or a group or a team. Um, you know, your personnel handbook can be changed by your personnel committee with, in most cases, without a church vote, good grief, do not, you know, lead to where if you have a personnel committee that the whole church has to vote on personnel policies. You right. just or you just don't need a personnel committee. committee to be able to, or whoever the elders or whoever it is leading your church to be able to change them. Um, procedures are things that you do that aren't written down. Mm -hmm. So, we just, we kind of have a way that we do this. It's kind of an unwritten rule. Um you know, so yeah, you need to understand what each of those things are. Um, you, you know, we have a procedure in our church where uh, we ask our people not to walk down the kids' hall. Like they can because of the way our church is structured, but we work very hard to keep as many people because our classrooms are separate. You know, kids are in the classrooms; they're not on the hall. But mm -hmm. hey, we really don't want just anyone walking down the kids' hall. Um, so that's a procedure. Yeah. Uh, we do have policies around child protection and then obviously in our bylaws, we have ways that govern the church. Well, so, you need to understand what each of those levels are. What we are talking about on this podcast are bylaws. Sure. The, the governing documents yeah. of the church. Do some research. Let me ask you this. We're going to go a little over on this, but I want to ask you this. So, the handicapped parking spot, is that a procedure or a policy? If you're just- That's ne not, neither of those. That's a- That is like a- federal law yeah but like i mean like in the middle of the day when you just go to the office you know we had some handicap um spots that are closer to the offices and i laugh because we know exactly who's coming even if you visited our offices and you were handicapped you wouldn't park there you'd park at another spot and so um we laughed that no one parks in that spot I well then you just need to change your spots i mean there's code, code well it works best for sundays that spot works best for sundays but for the week, okay, so it, is let it a me free just be, grab? Can you grab it? No. No. You Okay. Never. This is a never. Never park in a handicap spot. Period. Full stop. Don't ever do it. You got to see the spot. Never. Well, then let if me you ask you this. If you're not handicapped, what about the you handicapped don't have stall? a permit. I bet you park in there regularly. There's lots of room. I, 
I I would rather you pull up on our front steps, which has happened, by the way. <laughs> um, God rest his soul. Um, there was no parking that Sunday, and he literally parked on the front steps. That's right. Um, it's anyway. That's a long story. So but I get never, the parking ever, spot, but do you go to the handicapped stall in the restroom? That's different. What a hypocrite! Some 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 bathrooms only have handicap accessible. I don't know. A handicapped spot, you don't ever park there. I'm sorry, never, ever, mm-hmm. ever under any circumstances. I don't care if the parking lot, if it's an abandoned building, mm-hmm. and the parking lot has a thousand spaces and it's completely empty, you don't park in the handicapped spot. Oh rubbish! I would park there. I'd park there immediately if it's the best spot and nobody's going to need it. You deserve all of the animosity that you get after this. <laughs> I also use the handicap stall. There's so much leg room and I'm not going to touch anything. All right. I, I will not use the handicap stall unless it's the only one. Mm, I almost always go straight for the handicap stall. That's the- <laughs> I have a headache. You, don't judge me and don't at me. mean person. If you at me with mean things on Twitter, spots. I ignore you. All right. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week. Hey, I'm Tom Rayner, and I am sharing with you a great resource for pastors. I always get excited when I can offer something to pastors and other staff members. But this is stuff for ministering to grieving people in your congregation and community. As pastors, it's hard, even as in the role we have, for us to know what to say and how to say when ministering to a person who has lost a loved one. What you need is a glimpse of the minds of grieving people. And that's exactly what this resource, Grief Share, provides. Their free book, Eight Things Grieving People Wish Their Pastor Knew, gives insight into how people grieve, how they misinterpret their feelings, and helpful things you can say and do to help people through the grief process. Visit griefshare.org forward slash EST to download your free book. You can see it in the show notes. That's griefshare.org forward slash EST followed by the number eight. You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening.